start somewhere. If you're uncomfortable reaching out to ride with people you don't know, you've got to start somewhere. So I think that that's the beauty in mountain biking too, is it does put us a little bit out of our comfort zone. It does push us to see what our limits are and see if we can go beyond those limits. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up and welcome to episode 71 of Life in Motion. I've got Lindsay Richter on the line, who is the founder of Ladies All Ride, a group all about growing a community of female mountain bikers. With camps in six different states, they're able to help ladies from all over. I'm excited to hear about the impact that they're having today. Uh, Lindsay, thank you for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, yes, I'm excited. So um, before we get into Ladies All Ride and, you know, kind of the, the movement you're creating with that, which I think is super awesome, um, let's go ahead and set the stage of who you are, you know, where you grew up, uh, you know, hobbies you had growing up, kind of how did you, how did you get to where you're at today? Well, that's a really long story, but we'll try to make <laughs> it as short as possible. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, well, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, um, and I currently live in Bend, Oregon, which is about three hours away from Portland, but more on the, the mountain high desert side. Um, and I was an athlete growing up. I did sports my whole life from soccer to basketball to running track and field. Um, I had a horse and I jumped horses um, and sports really kind of ended up defining me. It's, it's how I developed my social circles and kind of what I looked forward to training and practicing and, and performing in sports. And then I went to college uh, at the university. University of Arizona, because I was curious to see what the sun was like after growing up <laughs> under a dark cloud of rain most of my life. There's some vitamin in C in there. <laughs> um, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, and that was a huge change to go from Portland, Oregon to Tucson, Arizona. And I studied journalism and I got really into the social scene and joined a sorority and didn't play sports. And that is where my life took a turn. Uh, for the worse. Um, I definitely lost myself in college. I lost my fitness. I lost my, my confidence. I lost my body. I just really didn't know who I was and just felt like I was going through the motions. I ended up getting kicked out of my sorority because I just didn't feel like I fit in and rebelled against rules and the weirdness that I felt sorority life was bringing into my world. Uh, and yeah, I, I graduated college and went right into the working world and advertising and PR and felt like I had my dream job in my early twenties working in advertising and had a, an office with a door, you know, all my friends were working <laughs> in cubicles and, uh, I had to dress up for work and this just felt like the path I was meant to be on. I, you know, my dad was, he worked in downtown Portland growing up. So office life seemed to be my future. And I was pretty stoked that I had a door at, at 24 years old. And at 25 years old, my whole department got laid off. And I was, yeah, 20, 24, 25. And I ended up on the TV show Survivor. Oh, and that okay. was another huge twist in my life. Yeah. Uh, it had just come out. It was pretty new. I was on the third season of Survivor. Okay. Uh, we were in Africa. And 
talk about a crazy life-changing event that, you know, just took me in a whole nother direction. <laughs> well, before you get into the, some details from that, how did you find yourself in that opportunity in the first place? Well, it's funny because when I was working in downtown Portland and I say I lost my fitness, I really didn't know how to get my fitness back. So rewind a couple years into my advertising career and you know, I'm meeting people who went to the gym at lunch. And so I would try step aerobics classes. And then I got involved in spin classes. And from there, I thought, well, I like riding bikes. I haven't thought about riding bikes in a long time. And my dad bought me a mountain bike when I graduated from high school as because he liked to go ride fire roads. And that was kind of our thing together. We'd go on these little bike rides when I was a teenager. And then I had this mountain bike as my transportation in college and Tucson was kind of gnarly and lots of cactus. And so I didn't ride mountain bikes that much in college, but when I was in the working world going, you know, dealing with deadlines and working all the time, I thought I'm missing a sport. I, I knew deep down inside that that was what was missing from my life was having something almost to train for, you know, because just exercise, going to the gym just wasn't for fueling this passion that I had. So right before I got laid off, I started racing mountain bikes and there was, there weren't a lot of trails in Oregon, but there was a race series. And I went down to a local shop and I bought myself a hardtail mountain bike. And I just threw myself into these races. I got the schedule and then I had something to look forward to and train for. And that was kind of what started my journey into finding myself again, finding my fitness again, and finding joy that I felt was missing in my life. And so when I got laid off from advertising, uh, a colleague of mine who was in the office next door came into my office with the application in his hand and said, <laughs> you know, you come in on Mondays after your mountain bike races and you're limping and bruised. And of course, you know, I thought that was so cool. So I really showed it off that I had race mountain bikes, yeah. And it was cross-country mountain bikes. It was very pedally, lots of fire roads. Um, but he actually is the one who turned me on to Survivor. He said okay. it's a show that showcases athletes and these crazy athletic feats. It seems like something you would be into. So that's how I got into mountain biking. And then I made an audition tape for Survivor with me on my mountain bike, kind of showing that I have this wild athletic side and uh, you know, there, there's more to my audition tape than that, but it was definitely what helped me get on the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That, yeah, that's a very interesting kind of, uh, journey, you know, from being, uh, super into sports and team sports and all that stuff, and then kind of getting away from that a little bit in college and then getting back into mountain biking. And then now you're on TV. So what, what so what was that like? that was crazy. It, you know, I was pretty young and, uh, pretty immature, really didn't know what to expect. I tend to have no filter. I'm a highly emotionally charged person. I have dealt with, um, mental health issues. Most of my life, I definitely went through phases of feeling really depressed, especially in college. Um, so survivor kind of exacerbated some of that, just being stripped of all your comforts. So suddenly, to go on the show. It was very intense. We were starving. They kept us alive, but barely. <laughs> uh, and you know, the experience itself was pretty cool. Just being out there and, and dealing with 
nature and what they put us through. Uh, I really found a lot of strength. And I, I do think that my athletic side helped me persevere in the elements and in the show itself. It was after the show that I really struggled. The public ridicule, the, you know, thank goodness social media had not been launched yet. This yeah. was in, you know, 2001, 2002. So I didn't have to deal with Facebook or Instagram or any of that. So that was lucky, but there was still the internet and the internet was actually fairly fresh in the early 2000s. And there were chat rooms and people would get on these chat rooms and just tear us apart. And there was kind of a masochistic addiction to staying up all night and reading about yourself in these chat rooms. And even talk show hosts would make comments about us on TV. And then we went on a press tour after you get voted off. I went on David Letterman and Regis and Kelly and Hollywood squares and the Howard Stern. They threw us on all these talk shows and I just really had to deal with the public ridicule. I was getting recognized in New York city and people would come up to me and say, Oh my gosh, you're Lindsay from survivor. I hated you. <laughs> wow. And the, you know, so that was a little like, wow, I wasn't acting. Uh, we were just kind of ourselves out there. So that was pretty gut wrenching for me to deal with. And after the show aired and we were all just kind of flailing, trying to figure out what to do next with our lives. I didn't have a job. Survivor paid us money. I ended up moving to Los Angeles because we were getting all these crazy opportunities and making great money to do next to nothing. They would fly us places to sign autographs and pay us five grand. And so I jumped at that chance and moved to LA, but that really exacerbated the mental health issues I have dealt with my whole life. It was a environment of putting you down, telling you you're not good enough, telling you all the things you need to change about yourself, going to auditions, being rejected, and just kind of tossed into this world of celebrity that we weren't ready for. So that ended up being a pretty hard situation for me, but come, uh, you know, bring in my bike. And that is something that really helped me keep my head above water was I would just get on my mountain bike and go try to find trails around Los Angeles. And from there, I found a race series to start racing again. And that's where I met my um, now ex-husband <laughs> who became my husband at the time, who was a pro mountain bike racer. And that is where I entered into the bike industry on another level. And my career towards Ladies All Ride started blossoming. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's a super interesting story. And um, and yeah, especially I could I could see how that could, you know, even if somebody, you know, wasn't, you know, previously had, you know, uh, mental health struggles, you know, I could see how that could be a very toxic environment to be thrown into, even if, you know, like I said, if somebody was a hundred percent about themselves, because uh, I couldn't even imagine, you know, unfortunate, the unfortunate ridicule that, you know, like you said, came along with that. Um, so I do have, I do have one question about the, you know, reality TV though, which I'm sure a lot of people do. So is, is it, I mean, there, it is what it is. It's not, you know, obviously it's built up in a theatrical way, the way they film it, but you're, it's real. It's real, I guess, is yes. what I'm getting at, you know, because I would say yes. everybody has their questions between stuff like that and the Jersey Shore and, you know, all the, the big ones that popped up, you know, however many years ago. So, but it is for, for the participants, it is that real. 
Survivor is real for sure. They only allow you to have one, one pair of everything, one pair of shorts, one bra, one shirt, uh, no pillows, no blankets, no toothbrushes, no modern amenities. You're living off the land. They do guide you in a way for us, at least, um, you know, this was the third season ever. I'm not sure how they do it now. They're 40 seasons in, which is crazy. <laughs> is. Um, they had a doctor on site to check on us um, to just make sure that we were staying alive. I did have to have an IV uh, put into me for a day when I dehydrated. So they're checking on us, but we did have to ration our food. We did have to hike about a mile each way to get water and then carry the water back and then boil the water. A lot of people got sick. A couple of people got stung by scorpions and it wow. paralyzed half their body for a day. Um, the challenges were pretty brutal when you're starving and you're lacking nutrients and hydration. The challenges were pretty uh, taxing and aggressive, which I loved. I actually loved that part of it. I wished that it was more based on athletic abilities versus social manipulation because <laughs> yeah. it was the social manipulation part and the backstabbing and the constantly living in fear of being voted off that played tricks on all of our minds I think and caused the experience to be a little bit harder to deal with uh, okay that, that that no that makes sense and um yeah I was, I was curious to kind of hear that insight of you know what it was actually like if it, if it is you know, portrayed accurately on TV. So it's interesting. And obviously kudos for you for doing, doing that in the first place. Cause that's, uh, just the physical aspects of it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I would suit up to that well, but so <laughs> anyway, so it's you pretty gnarly. I think what people don't understand is that, you know, when I first went on it, there wasn't DVRs or internet. So we couldn't, play it back. I had to go rent the DVDs or probably the VHS tapes from Blockbuster Video to see <laughs> the previous season. Uh. And I remember hearing people being interviewed saying, oh, they edited me poorly. And then once I was out there, I was like, I don't get how they can edit you poorly. You're, you're, you are who you are. You're doing yeah. what you're doing. You're acting how you're acting. But what I realized later when I saw it air is that they can manipulate the situation by showing a clip of me, say, I'm just telling a story about my childhood to someone and the camera's just on my face and you don't know when the cameras are shooting you because they're kind of hidden all over the place. Okay. And, you know, I could be telling a story about something and say, oh, and that girl, she was, she was horrible. And they could just take, she was horrible, and use that sentence, um... then splice in a facial expression from someone else and make the audience think I'm talking to or about that person. So that's where the manipulation happened was they can splice together the shots they have, however they want to manipulate the situation to make it look different than it actually was. And that was a little shocking to me because that was like, a what? I didn't say that to that person, you know? And they like yeah. show these tribal council meetings where we're all putting in our two cents and saying things. And then they show a facial expression from someone and you're like, that didn't go with what I said, huh. you know? So that's where it got a little interesting was you're watching this going, no, that's not how it played out, but they have the footage and they can do whatever they want with it. That's great. So in that case, you know, you know, you mentioned you're again, you were getting recognized. Oh yeah. I hated you on that show. Really? Yeah. You, they hated you on that show because the show turned you into a villain 
or any, any, I'm just obviously using you as an example, because that's what we're talking about right now. But anybody in that case, kind of as a villain, when they're, they're not, they're just the, the film is, is completely taken out of context is basically what you're saying. Totally. And I think that was the hardest part for me was I left thinking, well, I feel like everybody liked me and we all got along and they spun it to make me look like just a horrible, horrible person. And I cried a lot, but a lot of times they would take us away to do these private interviews and they would start the interview off with, you know, I know that you left your dog behind, you miss your dog. And, you know, tears would well up because you're extra emotional. And then they would have a shot of you with tears welling up and they could put that in wherever they wanted it. And they don't, they don't put in the question that you were just asked. They just put up someone with a lip quivering and tears running down their face. So they could put someone whispering about me and then cut to me crying. And it looks like I cried every single day. And those could have been five days apart, but they can splice them all together to make it look like Lindsay cries all the time, every day, all day. And that was hard. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I wasn't even crying there, but cool. Okay. <laughs> wow. No, that is, that's, that's crazy. And kind of, uh, yeah, super toxic, but anyway, so, yeah. so you, so you kind of lived, uh, I guess that stardom life. Um, obviously, you know, it's, you know, once you moved to LA kind of still had some of that, uh, toxicity, you know, from, from that experience. Um, you know, I'm sure there's, there's highs with that as well as not just the lows, but regardless, and then kind of, you said you circled back around to, you know, what, you know, essentially got you there in the first place, which was mountain biking. And that was kind of your, your, I guess it sounds like your kind of road and journey to kind of get back to that normal normalization that you had before, you know, not necessarily worrying about anybody. So, so what, what did, what, I guess, what was that like? You said that's kind of when you started kind of taking that next step in mountain biking. So what was that next step and, and kind of what was that journey at that point? Yeah, well, so I met, um, I met a, a man who raced mountain bikes. He was a downhill racer and also a free rider. So it was an, a, an element of mountain biking I didn't know anything about. I raced cross country, which is more pedaling. I didn't know that downhilling was a thing and where they just race for like three minutes as fast as they can down mountains. And that was super intriguing to me. And I loved the sport and I just kind of jumped in with him and he was already a world cup racer. So I started traveling with him and I could race the lower level events at the same events as him. So I just started traveling around that summer of 2002 and going to a bunch of races with him And we ended up getting married about a year and eight months after meeting. And I dove in headfirst with his career, really, since I had a PR and marketing background, um, I ended up running his career and I did all the marketing and the PR and helped manage sponsorship. And I learned a lot about how sponsorship works in the bike industry. I learned a lot about all the different companies in the industry. I traveled all over the country for a year. We had multiple tours that were called, we called it the All Ride Tour. Uh, He had come up with the name All Ride because at this time in the early 2000s, mountain biking was evolving into like bigger travel bikes, bikes that are capable of doing different things. And so he wanted to be known as a rider who rides it all. Well, during my journey with all this marketing and promoting him and trying to be a voice Uh, for him transitioning from being a a world-class athlete 
who was racing into more of an ambassador role. He really wanted to give back to the bike community and help kids see that he was, he grew up with meth heads and a pretty, pretty ugly background. And he wanted to be a voice for the younger generation and okay. to show them it doesn't matter what your upbringing is. You can make your life whatever you want of it. And I really grasped on to that concept. And he taught me a lot about how, how to look at my own life and how mountain biking was enhancing my own life and how I could choose to do whatever I wanted with my life. And it was a pretty powerful partnership because we started this all ride program. And to me, the word all ride started meaning more than the bikes. It meant we should all ride bikes because yeah. I feel like I'm a better person when I have this sport in my life. And through all these travels, I had a hard time with women a lot of my life. I felt really uncomfortable with women. I, I didn't trust the women after my sorority experience. There's a lot of backstabbing and cattiness and competitiveness. And I was kind of raised in that environment with horses and sports. And I started meeting these women who were humble and down to earth. And it just felt more like my people. But I was also realizing that there weren't a lot of women involved in mountain biking. And so throughout this decade of the All Ride Tour, we also sponsored a kids team and we brought these young racers around the country with us and helped facilitate them going to races and learning, learning from travels because road life can teach you so much. I mean, the, the vans break down, things happen <laughs> on the road. You have to just deal with what comes at you. And that is very similar to how mountain biking is. It's a challenging sport and things can happen in a second, in a blink of an eye and, and you can get hurt. And so I started realizing that this one girl we sponsored when she was 12, she had gotten into it through her dad. And the more I traveled, the less women I saw. So I started asking questions and realizing a lot of women were getting into this sport because most of them had told me, well, my boyfriend or my husband is really into it. I went on one ride. I didn't get any advice on how to do it. I fell, I got hurt, I got scared. It's not for me. And so I started seeing, wow, there's a need for women to, to get into this sport in a safe and welcoming way where they feel like they're learning it before trying it. And that's where my idea blossomed to create what is now Ladies All Ride, because ladies should all ride together because it's a little bit of a, a more comforting environment to, to learn and ride with women. Uh, it's a different mentality. And so in 2010, I went to a class in Whistler, a teaching certification class that I didn't even know existed. And I learned how to coach mountain biking, how to teach skills oh. and that blew my mind. All of a sudden I was like, whoa, this is it. This is why more <laughs> women aren't involved with this sport. I'm surrounded by these world-class professionals and they're not giving me advice that I can understand. They're telling me things like your bike knows what to do and just <laughs> let go of your brakes, just go faster, trust yourself, you know, just like great blanket statements and well-meaning advice but advice that wasn't measurable or tangible. Like, what do you mean? Just let go. What do you mean? My <laughs> bike knows what to do. I don't think it has a brain or eyes, so it's not really working out if I just let it do its thing. So that really, that really took my riding to another level and my understanding of the sport to another level. And then when I started thinking about coaching mountain biking, I started seeing the depth that this sport can bring into women, especially women's lives. 
it is a sport that is challenging. It, it forces you to learn how to face fears, how to change negative thoughts to positive thoughts to keep the wheels rolling forward. You can't beat yourself up. You can't be self-deprecating. You can't lack confidence in your abilities. And honestly, the mountain bike really showed me what my true colors were. I, I tended to throw temper tantrums and get frustrated really easily. And that didn't help me become a better mountain biker. So mountain biking honestly saved my life in a way because it taught me that I can control my thoughts with hard work and determination. It showed me that if I just give into the process of learning and take the steps to learn it right and learn it well, it all translates into life. So when I started Ladies All Ride, I really had this passion for it being more than just mountain bike skills. I really wanted women to see that this sport can show you what you're capable of. And if you lack a little belief in yourself, it can really show you how to change that. Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, perspective too. I like that because, uh, so I, I grew up riding BMX bikes, um, kind of like freestyle stuff and just yeah. mess around, never pro or anything like that. But, you know, actually having, having fun with it and have had my fair um, share of experiences. But um, I, I do love that perspective because, you know, you know, some people look at, you know, whatever that sport is, that action sport is. Um, and, you know, mountain bike is a little more, I guess, acceptable if you're looking at like a bird's eye view of what the public perception is, you know, than you know, skateboarding or something like that. But my, my whole thing is, it was kind of thinking, you know, well, yeah, you know, going using skateboarding, for example, you know, you see a skateboard kid at the skate park they look like a grimy kid because they've been sweating skating all day doing whatever and but you don't realize that what they're doing there is actually could be better for them in their life as a whole or with mountain biking or bmx or surfing or any of that stuff which i think that's awesome kind of you know putting that into perspective as far as you know these sports are much more than just the physical aspect of riding a bike or pushing a skateboard or whatever that might be and it goes deeper into your day-to-day -day life, like you said, because it teaches you, uh, one, you know, you get obviously a friendship with it and there's a special bond. There's, you said, learning patience and, and building confidence and doing all these other things that obviously create a ripple effect, you know, in your, your regular life or work or relationship or whatever that might be. So it's really cool to hear that, um, th that you kind of had that same experience, uh, kind of in that sense as well and see it not, not only as a activity, but as something that, you know, uh, embedders your life, but also the, it can help other people as well. Yeah. I mean, I love, I think BMX, you know, I didn't know much about BMX or skateboarding and my ex was very into skateboarding. That was his first love, honestly. And he really showed me how, growing up with meth heads and chaos all around him, that that was something that he could focus his brain on. Yeah. He was practicing tricks and he could do it in the driveway, you know, and the repetition of working hard at something and putting your focus into something to get better at it really set, set him up for a successful career in what he chose to do. But it also really opened my eyes to, the work life takes and these BMXers and skateboarders, I feel like had it, you know, you say that there may be a judgment there, like, oh, they're just a bunch of dirt bags, but it's so much more than that. It, yeah. It's not even that it's, it's not a dirt bag sport. I actually find it very sophisticated to go out 
and practice these tiny little movements to get your body and your mind to connect, to make those tricks happen in a dangerous setting, especially BMX and skateboarding is on cement. Yeah. And so, you know, I really love how all these sports, these individual sports that we didn't learn growing up as, you know, we, we were thrown into team sports more, but I find that these individual sports where you have to dedicate yourself to the practice, the failure, the picking yourself back up when you fall and trying again and again and again until you get it relates to life way more than just tossing your kid into a team sport and having them sit on the bench and wait for them, their turn to get in. These yeah. individual sports that take a lot of focus and practice and determination and perseverance, I think are what where it's at. Yeah, totally. And, and to your point, I mean, and, you know, I never grew, grew up doing team sports or anything like that. I, I do, you know, enjoy football and all that stuff watching it. But, um, you know, to your point, you know, there's that individuality of it. So if something goes wrong, it's completely on you and you don't, you can't blame anybody else on it if you're on a bike or board or whatever. And at the same time, it kind of creates a different, um, uh, you know, I guess you don't have, you know, maybe the sometime negative team, uh, dynamics of, okay, somebody's pointing the finger at you because you dropped the ball. Well, if, if you fall on your bike, that's on you, that's not on them. So you're, so there's not that, that dynamic that could probably sometimes would come with uh, team sports, which I think is also helpful too, especially for the right people, you know, depending on how they're growing up and the environments they're in. So, but for sure, it's all so, valuable. I think sport is such a beautiful way to learn how to work with other people, how to work with yourself, how to trust yourself and how to work hard at something. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, you know, so you kind of got into, I guess, more, this more uh, serious side of mountain biking from the all ride and then going, kind of changing that to ladies all ride, because you noticed that there, you know, obviously the name, there wasn't as many ladies out there riding their bikes, but you also realized, you know, what we just spoke about, which was the, uh, the kind of empowerment and enrichment and stuff in your own personal life from, you know, trying to do this thing over and over again and make yourself continually better. So, you obviously had, you, you know, you knew what was missing from, from the sport in that case, but how did you, how did you form it where you could start impacting uh, these other women uh, in, in the sport? Yeah. Well, you know, being on the sponsorship side of things for um, my ex's career, I was building relationships with people in the industry and, there was a couple years there where we'd sit down for these sponsorship meetings to assess what our plans were for the next year. And I would bring up like, are you interested in doing anything that speaks directly to women? And I got a lot of no's, you know, like, no, I think just you being out there. Um, I, I got, I got, I reaped the benefits of sponsorship because of what I did for him. So I got bikes and they used me in marketing materials and threw me catalogs. And so I, I felt like I was developing a presence in my own right in the industry by being used by these sponsors, as I guess you could put it as I was kind of the token female a lot. Um, and Live Cycling, the sister company to Giant Bicycles, uh, yeah. really started launching their new brand of bicycles made by women for women. And, you know, as I think life ends up being circumstances and timing and a little bit of luck. And a friend of mine from Bend, Oregon 
got the job with Liv as one of their main marketing girls. So she already knew about me and she reached out to me and said, we want to get involved with teaching women to mountain bike. We're a brand that just makes bikes for women. And this was one of the first times that an industry company in the industry was interested in speaking directly to women. So once Liv came on board and I had them as a title sponsor, I could use that to tell other sponsors, you know, I have a title sponsor now. I have Liv behind me and Liv under the name Giant Bicycles was a, is a big brand. And so other sponsors started getting on board and the Ladies All Ride Mountain Bike Skills Camps were, were born. It started out as a movement, as a way for me to just go out and coach as much as I could and go to festivals and be the coach that people came to and just get experience. But once I had a good chunk of experience under my belt, um, I was ready to start my own program. And I wanted it to, I noticed in the marketing world of mountain biking <clears throat> that a lot of focus was put on free riding because free riding was becoming the next big thing. And so magazines were just posting photos of I say posting, it's so funny because it's magazines <laughs> and I still to this day now I open a magazine and I try to zoom in with my finger. <laughs> um, but back then that was all they had were magazines and taking out, you know, companies buying ads and all the ads and the advertising and the, the stories and the photos being shown were mostly men doing massive tricks over massive jumps. And I thought there is not a program in this world that openly openly discusses and brings attention to the emotional component of mountain biking. Yeah. It is a scary sport for people to get into. There is an intimidation factor. And if I'm super honest about that and promote my skills camps as a way to come and see why a sport like this can be so powerful for women, that was kind of my main marketing tool was to promote this as a lifestyle. And uh, the community of women I started meeting through mountain biking were unlike any women I'd ever met before, very supportive and welcoming and uplifting. I wanted more women to see that this lifestyle exists for them, not just the sport of mountain biking, but this lifestyle that it comes with. I can go to any state in this country and I promise you I will find someone to take, a woman to take me on a ride. And I feel like that's what Ladies All Ride also is for other women is we're a community. And if somebody sends me a message and says, you know, I'm from Missouri and I want to go riding in Sedona, Arizona, but I don't know anything about the area, I can connect them with 10 women who yeah. would take them on a ride and show them their trails. And there's this crazy bonding that happens when you do a sport like mountain biking with other women. And so it turned into a movement that became skills camps that now is a message that we should all ride bikes and live our best lives and make the effort to work on ourselves and take care of ourselves and use mountain biking as a catalyst for growth and change. That's awesome. And I, and I, yeah, I love, I love, you know, that, that connection that you're creating, like you said, the community also, no matter if they're States away. Um, so, so speaking of that, you, and you, you mentioned some of your camps or, uh, and kind of the programs like that. So I guess, uh, one question is where, where are they usually, I guess, hosted? And then what, what does that kind of look like for, you know, the, the lady that's, or the woman that's, um, participating in that? Like what, what, I guess, does that, 
What does that look like? Yeah, we we're based in Oregon. That's our home base. We do a lot of camps here in Bend, um, but we also are a traveling circus. And I travel around with a sprinter van and a trailer full of live bikes for women who want to try out the bikes. And we go to Arizona, Arkansas, Montana, Vermont, Wyoming, Michigan. Uh, yeah, we're we, we're try and we try to go places that have good mountain bike trails and a, and a budding, their budding destinations, you know, places that are really working hard on building good trails, um, that are fairly accessible, but some of our, some of our camps are off the beaten path up in the mountains, like in Montana and Wyoming. Um, it's their two days with a happy hour, a welcome happy hour the night before they start. So usually we host it at a shop, a bike shop that, that carries live bikes and the bike shop will give participants discounts at the shop. They'll come in, they'll do a nameplate making where they just make a nameplate where they can make it as artistic and creative as they want, or just write their name on a nameplate that goes on the front of their bike. This activity, we provide beer and wine and non-alcoholic beverages and food and this is the night before the camp starts. And this is a way for women to just show up to the meet and greet, see that all of us coaches are down to earth, humble women who just love sharing the sport. We're not a bunch of gnarly shredders with egos. You know, we're goofy women who just love what we get to do. <laughs> so it, it helps sort of eliminate the intimidation factor because I know how I felt the first time I showed up at events where mountain biking was sort of intimidating to me when I started, you know, when I married the pro mountain biker and was just surrounded by all these super pros, I started feeling a little bit more intimidated by the sport. I'm not good enough. I can't keep up, you know, everyone's faster than me. And I started comparing myself to others. And so I wanted to make sure that I set up an environment for women to know right away that that is not what this is about. There is no comparing yourselves to others. We don't have egos here. It doesn't matter who's the fastest and who has the sweetest gear, the nicest bike. We're all equals. Um, <clears throat> so after the meet and greet, the next day they show up around 930 and I kick off. We have, we have gear they can rent to or not rent. It's all free. So our sponsors like G4 knee pads have provided us knee pads and elbow pads and shin pads. Women can check those out for free. Our, you know, Liv has shoes. So we have a bunch of shoes people can, can use for the weekend. We have bikes they can ride. We have helmets from Smith. So it's pretty cool that we have a bunch of equipment that we can loan out to women to make, help them feel really comfortable. So they check in and they get their demo equipment, whatever they want to use for the weekend. Then I kick it off with a big welcome speech. And the welcome speech clearly addresses we have no egos here. Don't compare yourself to others. There's no negative self-talk allowed here. If you speak negatively about yourself or get frustrated with yourself, you'll get a timeout. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just try to make it fun and encouraging and welcoming. I make it very clear by stating we welcome all skin colors, all walks of life, all body shapes, all fitness levels, all ages, you know, all, uh, we welcome transgender women. If they identify as a woman and they want to come to our camps, they are welcome. Um, I make sure that I say all that so that everyone can hear themselves all LGBTQ plus, like you belong here. If you have a bike and you want to learn mountain biking with a group of women, 
you belong here. And we just try to set the stage so that there's no, the nerves kind of, you know, fly away and they feel like they're welcome. Each coach has seven women in their group. And usually we have two coaches per seven women. Um, a lot of times it's an assistant who's learning to coach will assist a head coach. Um, so the groups are small. They have to fill out a pretty extensive questionnaire before they sign up that tells us how long they've been riding, what kind of trails they usually ride, where they're at in their riding, what their goals are. So that helps us put them into groups so that they are matched with similar abilities so they don't feel out of place. Um, some groups move faster than other groups. What I really love about our camps is every coach is a certified mountain bike skills coach, but we all have our own styles. And I really want people to come and have a different experience with a different coach. So everyone kind of puts their own twist on coaching. We, we come up with funny sayings that help ladies remember things like boobs over the bars when you're climbing or <laughs> wipe your butt on the berm for going around corners. You know, we just try to make it really fun and accessible. And so the two days starts out in the morning with skills and drills in a controlled area, usually grass or trails nearby where we put them through body positioning stuff and balance and help them understand how to be balanced on their bikes and changing terrain. And then we get them out on trail and we practice all the skills. You know, it's really about helping them develop muscle memory so that their body can feel what feels right in changing terrain, whether the bike's going uphill or downhill or dropping off something or going over a jump or a rock. We teach them how to move the bikes and get them over obstacles, which again, relates to life. And we're always throwing in those little comments of just like life, when we get obstacles in the way, we can either, you know, shy away from them or we can learn how to get through it and get the only thoughts in our head are, what do I need to do to keep the wheels rolling? What do I need to do to get through this? So we're really giving them tools and how to think while they're riding and how to relate all this to life. You thought you couldn't do that. You learned how, and you did it. What else do you think you can't do that you're holding yourself back from? So it's a lot of mountain bike skills, coaching, life coaching, cheerleading, counseling. It's all wrapped <laughs> into one, um, but they get plenty of time on trails. I love our downhill camps because we have chairlifts and a lot of women I think are a little intimidated by downhill but that's why we do it is to get them to these mountains to repeat trails and see how their skills build over doing the same trail a couple times in a row and practicing those corners a little bit better and getting up and over those rocks or off that drop like we're pretty excited about what we get to do so the days are just really fun and exciting and a lot of cheering for each other and picking each other up it's a pretty fun weekend, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, not only it sounds like it's a great time and pretty, um, I guess, in depth, if you will, as far as, you know, um, you know, knowing where to put who and what group, like you said, so everybody's kind of at the same skill level, um, but also, you know, setting the stage of, okay, you know, there's no, uh, there's no negativity here. We're all here to have a good time. And then also there's, no, you kind of make it where there's no excuses, you know, from the shoes to pads to bikes themselves and everything like that. And it sounds like it's very easy for anybody that wants to get involved or really just get a taste of mountain biking in that sense could, could start out that way. So that's awesome. Yeah, totally. Thanks. Yeah. What, so what kind of, um, you know, you've been doing this for a while and obviously, as you mentioned, you kind of travel around a lot. 
what kind of, I guess, impact or, you know, have you, have you seen it on others and, and maybe, you know, I don't know if success story is the right way, but maybe like a favorite story of somebody, you know, that, you know, maybe they just started with you or started mountain biking with one of your camps, but then, you know, you see them a couple of years down the road and they're just, you know, completely different than they, than they were, uh, you know, a couple of years later, are there any stories like that or kind of impact stories? Oh, all kinds. <laughs> I mean, it, it melts our hearts to get the emails and the comments on social media about how women's lives have been affected. I do. I went through divorce after 15 years and it was pretty intense. I mean, we started this company together and we traveled the country for 10 years and all ride was both of ours. And that was pretty traumatic, but you know, he was raised in an environment that required him to do a lot of self-work and it just combining business and, uh, you know, a relationship ended up being pretty hard. And I was pretty scared to go through divorce. I was afraid I was going to lose it all. I was afraid of being alone. I was afraid of being viewed as a failure, as a loser. Like I had all the typical fears. And so now, now I use that in my opening speech. I'll get choked up and I'll say, you know, I'll get choked up right now because it wasn't easy to go through. I'll say, I, I've been through divorce. Anyone else been through divorce? Lots of ladies end up raising their hands. And I'll start to get really emotional about the fears that I had and how the mountain bike and the community of women that I've met through this sport showed me that I am surrounded by love. I'm surrounded by support. I am capable of relying on myself. My bike really shows me that I can rely on myself and what I'm capable of. So my story after going through divorce really has, I think, allowed me to share this pretty personal side of my life and how mountain biking saved me and showed me that I, I am okay on my own and I am capable of, of handling whatever life throws at me. And I want more women to experience that. And so I get a lot of women coming up to me after the camp and saying, wow, what you said really resonated. I've been through divorce. This changed my life. This also showed me what I'm capable of. I mean, I have a few quotes sitting in front of me right now, like you humanized mountain biking for me. You made me see women can do the same things men can do. Um, I had someone say, I thought I'd learn a few things, but I didn't count on learning so many golden nuggets that I now find myself repeating like mantras for the mountain bike, mantras for life. Um, I tell lots, lots of people come up to me and say, I, I have a real problem with low self-esteem and negative self-talk and that, that doesn't fly in mountain biking. And I'll say this to women, you can't be thinking about what your face is going to look like if you hit that rock <laughs> with your chin, you know, you need to think of what you need to do to prevent that. What do I need to do to not hit that rock and to not get hurt? Um, and so I think a lot of women are having these aha moments at our camps that help them realize, wow, when my brain starts telling me these, you know, getting on that negative feedback loop, I got to tap into my mountain biking skills and what my coach taught me at the ladies all ride camp was to only think thoughts that keep the wheels rolling forward, whether that's a mantra, keep it rolling, keep it rolling, or look ahead, look ahead, that we can use all that in life that once you learn to do that on a bike to keep yourself physically safe, that really resonates with women that, wow, now I can identify better when my brain is starting to 
get on that negative feedback loop because on a mountain bike, I'm not going to allow that to happen because I don't want to get hurt. So why do I find it so challenging to change those feedback loops in life or women who are scared to go through a divorce? And, you know, my situation was, it was super unhealthy. It was, it was really unhealthy for me. And I lost a lot of self-esteem based on the way I was treated in that relationship. And I know that a lot of women are in that situation where they're scared to leave because they've been told they're not going to make it or they're not good enough. And I want women to hear these things so that they can look deep inside and really identify where those fears are coming from. And so we definitely get that feedback of, I was really scared to come here and I came here. I was really scared to go down that rock garden and I went down that rock garden. I'm really scared to quit this job or get out of this relationship. And I'm not so scared anymore because I see that I'm capable of a lot more than I think. I want that for women. That's a, no, that's a, and I've said this the whole time, I'm pretty sure. But once again, I love how you make that connection where it's more than just a camp and even yourself having the courage and to show that vulnerability of sharing, you know, your own personal story, I'm sure, like you said, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm sure it probably, I would assume kind of takes some people by surprise when you, you know, kind of bring that perspective to, you know, what you're actually there for, which is mountain biking. But I think, yeah, no, that, that, I, I, yeah, I love how, how you explain how you do that and, and create those connections, you know, rather than just, okay, Hey, here's a regular mountain bike camp we're going to do this and this and learn how to ride and and whatnot but hey here's just some like this goes deeper than that so I, I love that you're you're able to to do that with each camp and with connections and hearing that feedback from all the participants and everything that's awesome yeah thanks thanks and you know I'm also very aware that not everyone's there to have their lives change a lot of women are like shut up I just want to mount <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like even the ones who didn't expect that side of it, see the power in what mountain biking can do for their lives, whether it's just the strength uh, to, to learn how to get over an obstacle or the thrill of learning how to pop a wheelie to get up something or the excitement of going a little faster and jumping off things that all, that all adds to our joy in life and the way we see ourselves and the way we see what we're capable of. So even though not every woman is there to be enlightened, they just want mountain bike skills. I feel like it's impossible to not be enlightened when you do things that you've never done before on a mountain bike. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, definitely. So what, I guess to that point, you know, what, what piece, well, I guess what would be the one kind of piece of advice that you have for, you know, a, a woman that, you know, maybe they're intimidated by Mount, like they have a curiosity, but they're intimidated, whether, like you said, maybe they have um, some confidence issues with some other stuff going on. So they don't realize the benefit that would come from it. Or, you know, maybe they're also intimidating because in their area, it's mainly just a guy sport and they don't have, uh, you know, a lady next to them to go riding with them. And maybe that's awkward. I guess what, what, what would be that one like golden nugget? you said, there's a lot that they get, but what would be that one golden nugget to get somebody kind of over the edge, if you will, you know, to get out there and actually try and experience whether that's in their own local community with, you know, by talking to their own local bike shop, or maybe they're able to attend one of your camps. What, what would that be? Yeah, I think, I think it's a variety of things. I mean, I think the, the one golden nugget would be to seek out a welcoming group that 
puts on rides, you know, whether it's through the local shop or maybe there's a Facebook page dedicated to local mountain bikers, um, but to find in welcoming people to do it with. And that, that alone can also be intimidating, but you have to start somewhere, you know, and I think that's, that's true with everything. If you lose a job, you have to start looking for another job. If you get out of a relationship, you have to start being single and, and going down a new road in life on your own. Like you have to start somewhere. And with that comes stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit, especially if you're uncomfortable living by yourself. Well, you got to start somewhere. If you're uncomfortable reaching out to ride with people you don't know, you've got to start somewhere. So I think that that's the beauty in mountain biking too, is it does put us a little bit out of our comfort zone. It does push us to see what our limits are and see if we can go beyond those limits. So going to a bike shop and asking if there's any local rides, lots of bike shops are hiring more women. So I think those women are creating welcoming rides or um, mechanics classes where just basic bike, ma bike maintenance, learning how to fix a flat. So you, you aren't more intimidated going out by yourself, learning, just really learning how the bike works and how to take care of it. There's all kinds of resources, even online, there's women's mountain biking groups on Facebook. A friend of mine started one that I think is called mountain biking ladies, and it has grown she just opened it a year ago and it's like 20,000 followers. Already. Oh, wow. And these are all women just like, Hey, I'm new to mountain biking. What saddle do you all ride? And do you all know anyone who rides in New Hampshire? Like those resources, I think those online resources are a great place to start because it's a little less intimidating because you're not in person. And then you can start to get to know people through there, start to get a feel for your local community and what kind of things go on. But of course, taking a skills clinic, whether it's from Ladies All Ride or local coaches, there's lots of people getting certified to coach these days. We have lots of coaches who coach private lessons all over the country. We actually have two companies. Our other company is called Grit Clinics, and that's our private coaching for men and women. So couples could take a lesson together and our Grit Clinics lessons are just down to the nitty gritty mountain bike skills lessons. So if you don't want all the sponsor products and the raffles and the lunch and the camaraderie that our events come with, you can just sign up for a grit clinic. We'll put a coach with you in your area because we have coaches all over the country and they come and teach you what you want to learn in two hours or so. Um, so there are tons of resources out there these days for taking lessons, for meeting up for beginner rides, um, or even advanced rides, I just say, do the research and start pounding the pavement and looking in your local area. That's awesome. That now I, I love that you got to take it that first step before you can go anywhere else. So, so to, to that point, obviously, you know, we talked a lot about resources, speaking of resources, where can people find uh, you all online, find out about local, uh, you know, camps or whatnot coming in their area, or, you know, even if they want to connect on social media or whatnot, where, where can they find you? Yeah, well, it's Ladies All Ride. We are on Instagram as Ladies All Ride. My name is also on Ladies All Ride account uh, because I felt like people needed a person to relate to instead of it just being a business. I do tell my story on social media. I tell what I go through on the daily. I relate mental health issues to mountain biking. I talk about 
how my mental health has improved because of mountain biking. Um, I do a lot of teachable things online on Instagram. It's also Facebook, Ladies All Ride. Everything is ladiesallride.com, Ladies All Ride on YouTube. I do these things called Teachable Tuesdays or Wisdom Wednesdays where I show videos riding different scenarios. And it can be anything from going off drops to jumps to rock gardens up or down. I also tend to get a lot of mistakes on camera, which I love, like me not making something or crashing. And I will show that and I will talk people through like, this is why I crashed or this is why I didn't make this. And this is what I needed to do differently. So I'm trying to make our social media a place where people can come to rely on being motivated to ride with a little inspiration, being motivated to live their best lives by having someone that they can they can look to who's going to be real about my struggles and how mountain biking and the community of women I've met have helped me. So all of it's under ladies all ride. <laughs> awesome. Well, everyone definitely make sure you check uh, out all their, their website, social, all that good stuff. YouTube um, sounds like there's some awesome, um, awesome stuff on there. And as you can tell, kind of the passion uh, that, that Lindsay has shared from her survivor days to uh to now, you know, leading kind of this movement that's much more than mountain biking, at least from from our conversation that I can tell. So uh, definitely, definitely check her out in her events. Uh, and but I thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And I, and I wish you the best of luck. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, we're pretty excited. We also have great merchandise on our website. Our tagline is ride bikes, be happy. And we have all kinds of really cute shirts and hats that they just, it just kind of celebrates the joy of mountain biking. And when people see the hat or they see the shirt that says ride bikes, be happy. It has really cool artwork on the back that we had a local artist do of women riding bikes. It's a conversation starter. It helps people feel like they can come talk to you like, oh, ride bikes, be happy. What is that? You know, well, I ride a bike and it brings me joy. And <laughs> we're just trying to, to create more smiles in this world and help women find joy and learn to take care of themselves. And we're using mountain biking as our tool. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we'll keep on doing what you're doing because it sounds like it's making a big impact. So Thanks uh, for yeah. having me. I appreciate it. Great talking with you. Yeah, you're welcome. And like I said, best of luck in uh, your future camps and future programs. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life emotion. Until next time.